We are beginning today this season when we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we're mindful that we do turn our eyes to Jesus and we set our expectations right. Because if you're going to go by what the world says, then, then you can buy it or, or you can steal it or, or you can attain something created that's going to satisfy the great longings of your heart. And there's a frustration in the hearts of many people today because the, the, the distance, and you gotta remember this, the distance between your expectation and your reality is frustration. So if you're frustrated today, there was an expectation that wasn't met by your reality. And the further your expectations are from your reality, that's how much frustration you're gonna have. And what we're gonna be able to do in this series, I pray, is by turning our eyes to Jesus and being mindful of why we can be thriving at Christmas, we're gonna set our expectations right and we're gonna realize so much of what God has done for us. Our text today, it's gonna help us to be grateful. We can be grateful at Christmas and it brings a blessing that enables us to be a people who are thriving. Uh, something to think about, you know, I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me actually recently is I, I got a gift that I didn't think I wanted. Have you ever gotten something you thought, I don't want this, but it turns out to be something that you really, really like. I, I was watching everybody talk to their, their wristwatch and, and do all kinds of things on their wristwatch. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to like this. I don't know if this is going to be a good thing until I got one. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not selling these things, but I wish I could because this is all right. You know, I'm a very focused person and, and I, have been, I have been accused of, of not having my phone on and not, you know, being responsive to, to stuff. I'm just focused. But now I get a little tickle on my wrist and I know somebody might need me. And, and, and this is a game changer. You don't know how much trouble I have avoided with this. I mean, I've actually shown up to some meetings that I didn't even really, you know, want to go to. It was, but, you know, the, the reminder was there. I mean, and, and I'm learning all kinds of new tricks like yesterday. Lost my phone. How many of you guys have lost your phone in the last five days? Absolutely. This found my phone. My phone started screaming like it was on fire and I found it and it was great. So I'm learning how to use this thing. It's a gift I didn't think I, I, I necessarily needed or wanted. I think that's often true. I know that's kind of how Jesus was for me. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure I really needed him. I, I wasn't really sure how important this was, but it, it is... It has absolutely changed my life to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I am learning so much more about him. It's not as though, okay, I've got Jesus. I got this figured out. Friends, I couldn't believe it. This morning I'm studying God's word and, and I literally said out loud to the Holy Spirit, when did you put that in there? Because when you're reading the word of God, it's, it speaks to you every day. The spirit of God speaks to you through the word. And it's as if there's something brand new. I know that's true for me. And what I'm finding about Jesus and what I, I believe, and I hope that you will find, and many of you are finding is the, the more you walk with the Lord, the more you realize there is of him to enjoy. And it's going to take all of eternity for us to understand how great he truly is. And the more we understand, the more grateful we become. Our text today helps us understand why it is we can be grateful at Christmas because of what Christ has done. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to our text for the series, which will be found in Luke chapter 2. Uh, Gabe's going to come and read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Luke, Luke, uh, the gospel, Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to study verses 8 through 14. So Gabe, read that for us. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Well done, Gabe. If you would go ahead and be seated. Good job, buddy. Let's get into the text. Uh, Look at verse 8. If you'll notice, it it speaks of this same region there in verse 8. And verse 1 through 7 gives the the background of this this decree of Quirinius uh, where the the Romans wanted to count the people. And so Joseph had to go back to his ancestral home, which, again, was not coincidental. It was purposeful. Joseph was from the line of David. He was of a royal lineage, and this was no coincidence. God, God was keeping his promise. God, God promised that the Savior of the world would be from the line of David. Second Samuel chapter 7, this is a very important chapter of the Bible. Not that they're all not inspired, they're all inspired, and they're all important. Second Samuel 7 gives us one of the great promises that, that goes on to be discussed and realized throughout the New Testament. Second Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 16. This is Nathan the prophet speaking to David. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. So this isn't just some additional dynasty. This isn't just an extra king or two. Forever is eternal. Forever is forever. And so forever before me. Your throne shall be established. How long? Forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. God told him. David, from you, I'm going to raise up a king who will reign forever. So it's not surprising when Gabriel showed up to Mary in Luke chapter one, that he said, behold, you will conceive in in your room and bear a son and you, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. So he's God. This man, this baby that's going to be born is God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And look at verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. This is a promise of a coming king who will reign forever and ever. This is no normal king. This is a king who is God. This is a king that is unlike any that's ever been before. And so it's, again, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're mindful that that Joseph's Davidic line, it's it's spelled out. Those genealogies that we don't always find inspirational. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16 and 20. Luke 1, 32, 2, 4, 3, 23. Those are important because they point out to us a very important fact. That Jesus is born of the line of David. And this is true. And this happened because God promised it. God promised not only that he would be of the line of David, but where he would be born. In Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days, before the foundation of the world, before the city was named, God determined that the Son of God would be born in Bethlehem. That, that this place would be sacred to God, that it would be of use to God. So when the Magi showed up, traveling from the east to come and see this king who has been promised, they asked the religious leaders, where will the Son of God be born? Where will the Messiah be born? And here's what they said. This is Matthew 2, 5. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you see there that he quotes Micah 5, 2. See, God was working out a perfect plan. Who was going to be this eternal king? When he would be born, where he would be born, how all this was happening. It was not accidental. There are no accidents with God. There is no coincidence with God. There is only providence. And Miller Erickson helps us. By providence, we mean the continuing action of God by which he preserves in existence the creation he has brought into being. So God made all things and he sustains all things. But this isn't deism. The Bible doesn't teach deism where God winds up creation and sets it down and walks away. That's not, that's not what God does. God has created all things and he sustains all things, but continuing in the definition and guides it to his intended purpose for it. God is at work in the world. God has a plan for everything that is happening. God is active in accomplishing his purpose. Last week, I told you about uh, my now friend, truck driver Bill, who delivered my book. And he was going to go to church after having finding uh, assurance for his salvation. And he did. He went to church last week. And my pastor friend texted me last Sunday afternoon. And he said, this was great. He said, God's showing off now. And I said, what happened? He said, well, he showed up with his girlfriend. And I met them at a specific place and we were talking and her sister walked in the door. They hadn't seen each other or talked to each other. And she said, are you coming to church here? We're coming for the first time. You know, we just started coming. I think we should just all start coming here all the time. There are no accidents with God. There is no such thing as coincidence. There is providence. God has a plan for truck driver Bill for his girlfriend, for her sister, for all the people, for all of us, all of us here today. God has a plan and he is accomplishing that. And we have every reason to have hope in him because God is sovereign. You know, God had Mary and Joseph right where he wanted them. Now, I'm sure if we would have asked Mary, hey, Mary, would you like to be nine months pregnant in the middle of nowhere, giving birth in a cave with a carpenter for a daughter, for a doctor? Would that be what you would want? I have a feeling that Mary would say, no, no, I'd like a real doctor. I'd like a hospital room. God had them right where he wanted them. He was being born in the line of David. He was being born in Bethlehem. God was working to accomplish his purpose. And we've got to remember God's will is not always comfortable. God's will is not always what we want. God's will though is always perfect. What God was doing was he was bringing about his purpose to bring salvation in the way he would choose. It's amazing the way he chose this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that by his poverty, uh, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And this is, this is not rich in the things that pass away. This is rich in the things that matter. 
rich in the things that make life worth living than the things of God and the things of love and peace and purpose, the things that, that, that hold together and, and are sustainable for eternity. And friends, that's, that, that alone is enough to, to, to be grateful to God. But our text gives us more. And I, I pray today that this text that is probably familiar to many of you will make you even more grateful than you already are. I want to encourage you to write down these three things and, and to remember this on this Thanksgiving weekend, uh, why it is we, we can be grateful. And the first reason is this. We can be grateful because Christmas brings light. Christmas brings light into darkness. An angel came to the shepherds. Look there in verses eight and nine. Look at verse nine in particular. An angel came to the shepherds to announce this good news. On that dark night, great light had come. This great announcement was coming to shepherds. Shepherds were, they were background people. Shepherds weren't movers and shakers. They weren't people that, that made policy decisions. They, they weren't the people that were, that were moving the economy in any direction, one way or another. They, they were just workers. Someone texted me after the first service and said, so they're basically essential workers. And yes, that's exactly right. Shepherds were essential workers. They were the ones who gave people the stuff that if they didn't have, they would get mad and complain and worry where it went. These were the folks who were caring for sheep, which were an important part not only of their worship, but of their economy. But, but often forgotten. They were just common people. And yet, and yet, this is who God sent his angel to make this announcement to. Coming, coming to these folks reminds us that God, God loves everyone. You know who the world loves? The world loves powerful people. The, the world loves popular people with possessions and pleasure. You know who God loves? God loves us all. God loves you. You have been made in the image of God. Never forget this. You matter to God. You may not matter to other people that you think you should matter to, but here's what you can know is that the most high God says that you matter. He loves you and good news. He's got a plan for you. And God can accomplish that plan and will accomplish that plan. And it's better to follow that plan because he knows what's best. His power is at work. He is bringing about what he wanted to accomplish. And what God is doing now is he's revealing that to us. Now notice what they did. Notice what the shepherds did when they saw. Look at their emotional response. It was not just fear. It was great fear. And that makes perfectly good sense because when you study the scriptures, what you'll notice is most of the time when an angel showed up, someone died or was threatened with death. It, it, was, it was a pretty practical occurrence when, when there was a messenger of God that there was something very serious and scary was about to happen. Everyone who, who senses, has any kind of experience in scripture with an angel is afraid. You know, we... We human beings, we want to make God seem as safe as, as, as we can possibly make him. One of the reasons why we have angels looking like babies with wings and diapers on is because we want, we want God to be safe and usable. Can I tell you, angels are terrifying. And the reason why they're terrifying is because God is terrifying. He is awesome and amazing. He doesn't need us even though he wants us. And we should never mistake his grace and mercy for weakness. 
The fact that he gives grace and mercy should remind us of how terrifying and awesome he is, which should result in a, a, a right response, which is fear of God. And there's good news. If you fear God, you need not fear anything else. What is happening here is very important. There is a darkness that is being invaded by a light. And that should tell us that that very language, think about the language I'm using here. The darkness is being invaded. That's, that's war language. That's battle language. What we need to understand is that we're in a world that is, is in the midst of a war. There's a reason why things are hard. There's a reason why there is suffering and pain and conflict and difficulty because we are in the middle of a war. The darkness has taken over, but the light has come. And we should never be surprised by how hard life is here. But God has a plan for it. And it is his kingdom. And I cannot wait for 2022 to get here. Uh, we are going to study next year the kingdom of God. We're going we're gonna to follow that thematically through the entire Bible. And what we're going to see are, are the ways in which the war is being carried out and has been carried out on this planet to bring about God's glory. And we need today for our text purpose to understand that, that God has entered into our world to bring light. This morning, we need to understand that this faithful angel of the Lord had come to bring light into the darkness. The whole scene of, of that night reminds us of our reality. And here's our reality. We live in a dark place. Those shepherds were in a dark place. We live in a dark place a place where there's a lot of danger, there's a lot of deception because there's a lot of devil. But in this place, light has come. And this light has come to bring transformation. This light has come to people that, that matter to God. God has entered this darkness to bring life. In John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus said this. This is a very powerful statement because of how it begins. Jesus said, I am, that's important. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the gospel of John, Jesus uses what are seven I am statements. Uh, if you're listening to Dr. Tony Evans on podcast, you, you, are, uh, you are enjoying a message he's doing on these seven I am statements. These statements are significant because of what they mean. Jesus is hearkening back to Exodus chapter three and he's making, he's making something very clear. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jesus throughout his ministry not only claimed to be God, but he proved he was God. He claimed he was God with his words. He proved he was God with his miracles. And what did he come to do? Again, 812, to bring light. He came to bring light, to set us free so that we will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The, the darkness comes to deceive us. The darkness comes to hold us captive. The darkness comes so that so that it can beat us down. Do you realize if you're blinded by your sin and when you're in darkness, you're gonna take hits because you are the image bearer of God and God, God made you for his glory. And so what, what the devils and the demons of hell wanna do is they wanna embarrass God by making you a punching bag. 
You know, I, I love watching these reels. I don't know if you, if, you, if you see these things on Instagram. Be careful, they're very addictive, but they are hilarious because people are crazy. I, I watched these, I saw the funniest one. I watched, I laughed. It was of some young people having a pillow fight, but it was a blindfolded pillow fight. And so kids are just kind of swinging crazy, except for this one little girl, who's obviously the smart one of the bunch, who took her blindfold off. And so these, these guys are all swinging crazy. She wasn't hitting any girls, but she was sneaking up on those guys and she was slapping those boys silly. I mean, she was hammering these guys. And then she duck away and they're swinging kind of crazy. Well, finally she got a little greedy. She hit a boy so hard it knocked his blindfold off. And so the blindfold comes off and he looks and he realizes you're not wearing a blindfold and you've been beating me silly. So again, she's a smart girl. She drops that pillow, she's out of there. You're not gonna catch me, big boy. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to keep us blinded with our sin. Half truths, outright lies. He wants to keep us in darkness. Why? So that he can continue just to beat us down with deception and pain. But you know what happens if the blindfold comes off? You know what happens if there is light to our eyes and we can see reality for it, what it is? That devil flees. He runs because the darkness hates the light. And the last thing the devil wants to do is to be exposed. Because when he's exposed, we can battle him the same way Jesus did. And what did Jesus do in the desert? With the word of God, the truth of God, was able to attack the enemy and, and to send him fleeing from us. This is the hope of, of all who follow Christ. The light has come. This light is to set us free and to separate us. What happens to us is what happened in creation. Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And look what God did. God separated the light from the darkness. That's what happens when we repent and believe the gospel. We become separate from the, the darkness. We become possessors and those who are filled with the light of life. The light has come and this is good news. And when we experience that light, we get the second thing, the second thing that we can be grateful for and that is joy, joy. We can be grateful because Christmas brings joy into anxiousness. We sing joy to the world, the Lord has come and well we should because of what the angel said. Look what the angel said. Look in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. They were freaking out. It was kind of nice for them to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't run. Stop freaking out. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news. Now that phrase, I bring you good news, is, is actually a single word, euangelizo. It's the gospel. This is a gospel presentation. Now, not the way we understand it with three circles. This is a gospel, a good news presentation as they would have understood it in the ancient Near East. The shepherds would have understood exactly what that angel was doing. In the ancient Near East, in the time of Christ and before, whenever a king was born, the, king, the kingdom would send messengers that would go out into all the towns and the, and the messenger would come into the midst of the area and yell, Euangelizo, Euangelizo. What is he saying? I'm bringing you good news. I'm bringing you good news. A king has been born. And the, and the message was, was, was actually similar no matter what culture or what language you were in. They would typically say the th same things. I bring you good news of great joy that there is a king who's going to bring prosperity and light so that you can live. 
So what those shepherds were hearing, it wasn't anything new, but it was from a completely different source. This terrifying being had come and said, don't be afraid, you Angelizo, I bring you good news. I bring an announcement that is going to bring, look at this, not just some joy, great joy. Great joy that will be for all the people. This great joy, it changes everything. It changes everything. I can remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, we were at a season, we, were, we didn't have a building at this church I was at, and we were renting out um, a, a, a kind of a clubhouse in this condominium area, and we had kids just coming like crazy and getting saved. I mean, we were, we were seeing a dozen kids saved at a time. And, and as a matter of fact, we got so big, we, we got kicked out of the condominium uh, complex. Uh, but I, I remember one night, there was a significant number of, of young people who were saved. And, and I remember afterward, we were cleaning up and, and, and one of our workers said, you know, it's so exciting that, that to see all these, these people, these young people coming to Christ. But, and I thought, oh, here we go. Debbie Downer, here we go. But, you know, tomorrow they're going to go back to the same school. They're going to go back tonight to the same families with the same problems and the same issues and the same anxieties. And everything inside of me wanted to say, well, aren't you just misencouragement? You would not believe the amount of sarcasm that gets filtered by the Holy Spirit from a pastor. I didn't say it, but I want, instead, I, I do remember what I said. And it was actually, it had to have been inspired by God. I said, you know, you're right, but they will never ever go through those things alone ever again. Friends, this is the joy. This is the good news. See, joy is not a change in our circumstances. Joy is a change in us. And here's the change. You will never go through death. You will never go through pain. You will never go through being alone, alone, because God will be with you. God's plan will be worked out. God's light has come in the darkness. Here's the good news. It's not that now life's gonna be simple and everything's gonna go your way and, and you're not gonna have conflict or problems. No, here's the good news. Here's the great joy. You will never suffer alone. You never need to be afraid of any circumstance. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear people. You don't have to fear problems. You don't have to fear pandemics because no matter what you go through, the light of life is in you. He is with you. He's all powerful. He loves you and he has a plan. And so for those of us who believe, we can do what the scripture Commands. Look at this command that, that many, I think, take as a suggestion. Look at this command found in Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, let's read this out loud together. Just this first part. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, are y'all sure that that doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when everything's going your way? Rejoice in the Lord when you've got everything you want. Rejoice in the Lord when everybody's healthy and happy and, and, and you, you've got all the money and all the, all the things. That's not what the Bible says, is it? I love the way it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Look at that. Again, I say, just in case we missed it, right? Rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness, this is amazing, be known to everyone. Our joy is reasonable. It's not silly. When you as a Christian are are going through pain, I I think about a a lady in our church who who was at the hospital and and the nurse said, I don't know how you keep smiling with with all that you're going through. And she said, well, it's because God is with me. It's reasonable that no matter what you go through, if you go through it with God, that you would rejoice. Because, Because again, joy isn't because everything's going the way you want it. Joy exists because God is with you because he's got a plan for what you're suffering through. Because God, he knows what's happening and he has a will behind it. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ask God to bring changes. Ask God to do miracles. Ask God because he can. But no matter what he does, no matter what he chooses to do, here's what you can know. God always does what's best. And if it is his will for you to suffer as it was for his son, then you will learn obedience. If it is, for your, if it is his will for you to be comfortable for a season, well then take it and rejoice in it and don't feel guilty that you've got it good and other people are suffering so much. Don't let people manipulate you. Whatever you're in, no matter what it is, glorify God, rejoice in the Lord. And when you do that, verse seven, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's verse seven is, is, is the, is the third thing that we can be grateful for. Because see, if, if you have the light, if you have the joy, what the Bible says is that you get the peace. That's the third thing. We can be grateful because Christmas brings peace into our brokenness. Now I want you to look at verse 14 very carefully because the Christmas cards have not quoted this properly. Make sure you get this. Look at verse 14. Look at the actual translation of this text. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Notice who gains the peace. There is only one kind of person with whom God is pleased. That is the person who has peace. That means that only one kind of person can experience peace. And that person is a person who is saved. The only way you can have peace is if you have peace with God. The good news of the gospel is that if you repent and believe in the gospel, you will have peace with God, which will give you peace within, which allows you to be a peacemaker so that you can have peace with others. Without peace with God, you will live in brokenness. Sin always produces brokenness. And if you have a broken relationship with God, you cannot and you will not please him. The only people who can please him are people who are saved, who have repented and believed the gospel. Romans 10, nine says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have been saved, then you can please God. Friends, Jesus Christ did not come to save and he is not pleased with people who are just trying to do good. Here's the lie of of Western so-called Christianity is that God is pleased with people who are trying to do their best. After all, God helps those who helps themselves. That is not in scripture. You know, 
I, I imagine that some of you did a little bit of cooking this week. And, and, and if you had children in the house, I imagine that you may have been posed a question by a small child. Can I help? If you were cooking and you were doing serious cooking for Thanksgiving and a small child walks up and asks you for help, here's what you're thinking in your head. Child, go outside. You can't help me. As a matter of fact, what you're going to do is create what we call a mess, which is more work for me. Can I just tell you when we go to God and say, God, I'm so glad you're here so that I can help. So that I can help save me so I can make everything right because I know you need my help. Do you ever feel like heaven's laughing at you? I feel like he laughs at me all the time because there is something inside of all of us who thinks that we can help God. Friends, God needs no help. God has come to save. He, he does not need our plan. He doesn't need our suggestions. He doesn't need us to have it all figured out. Here's what he needs. He needs us to trust him. And trusting him means we live by faith. There's only one way to please God. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith pleases God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It is by faith alone that we gain God's peace. Now, what is God's peace? What is eternal peace? What is this peace? Ephesians 2.14, don't miss this. So important. For he himself is our peace. Friends, the circumstances that you want to happen, that's not peace. Having everything work out the way you want it to work out, that's not peace. What's peace? What does the text say? He himself is our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. The light of life is our peace. He is our peace because he is God and he loves us and he cares about us and he has a plan for us who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Friends, Jesus did not come into the world to make us savable. Jesus Christ came into the world to save. This is Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And those who repent and believe the gospel are saved. And those who repent and live by faith, they please God. And those who please God have peace because you know that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. No matter what happens, there's joy because the Lord has not abandoned you in it. And because there's this joy, you look to the light of life and you say, I'm going to trust the word of God, not what my flesh tells me, not what the world is selling me. I'm going to look to the Lord God according to his word. And I'm going to allow that to discern, determine my expectations because I know that's reality. And when you are driven by the, the expectations of the word of God, and you experience that reality, light, joy, peace. Here's what's happening to those of you who are anxious today. Here's what's happening to those of you who are frustrated and afraid. Your expectations are not biblical. 
and you're not able to experience the reality because the Bible tells us what is true and what is real. And when we are able to bring together what is true and what is real, there's life that is filled with light and joy and peace. You can only gain it in Christ Jesus. Friends, let me ask you a question. Do you have peace with God? Are you grateful and can you be grateful in any circumstance? This year, it's been really good for the Pettus people. I got to see all my nephews and nieces. We got to see my mom and Carrie's parents. We got to see our people and you know what? Everyone was well and we're, we're grateful for that. We may not get to see them next year. Is that gonna rob me of joy? Well, it will is if, if I've set up my life to only have any kind of a positive affirmation if everything goes the way I want it to. See, the, the, secret, the secret to gratitude is trusting God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And until you do that, there's no light, you're just gonna get beat down there's no joy because your life is determined by your circumstances and, and there's no peace because you, you, can't, you can't be confident that all is working toward a good end. Friends, this only happens when we're walking by faith. Walk by faith. Let's pray together. If you don't mind, let's stand up and as we do, I'm gonna ask our, our care leaders to come forward. These folks are here to talk with you about your life, to pray with you, to encourage you. Um, you're also welcome to come to the, to the front here and just pray as everyone is leaving. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I can't help but know, as has been true in the other services today, that there are those who are filled with anxiety and anger. There's not peace and joy because their lives are not being driven by the light of life. And Father, I pray that that will change right now. I pray that there will be some who will say, Lord, I, I'm doing this all wrong. I, I need you in my life. Please forgive me. Please take over my life. And if that's you today, come and talk with one of these leaders and help them walk you through what that faith looks like. And Father, I can't help but know that some of your children here today are frustrated as well. And they're trying to figure it out as best they can. Lord, would you today, would you give them what only you can give? which is light, peace, and joy. Lord, do a work right now. And if, if right now you need this work, just ask God to help you. Don't try to figure it out. Don't tell him what he ought to be doing. Just ask him to help you. God, we thank you that you help us and that you care for us. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing that we're grateful for. That's what Christmas brings. So Lord, be glorified as we get ready now to go, some to come to, to speak with the leader, some to go out into the world to share the hope that we have. But Lord, as we go, give us peace. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.